good morning, good day, and good evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is a little spooky podcast about things that spook us a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies, or when you don't prep an intro. My name is Everett. Ooh, left it hanging there. (laughs) My name is Colleen. Colleen. Yes. What's the most brutal, evil, metal food to consume? Um, ooh. I don't, I can't even think like excluding, excluding like actually just eating a live animal or something. Yeah. No, I was going to say like lamb because it's kind of satanic to eat a baby. Yeah. Or veal, I suppose. Yeah. I was thinking jello. Because? Because it's like ground up bones in there and gelatin. You're not wrong. But I'm also right. Oh, so right. I just can you picture like now now think of the show Metalocalypse. Yeah. Picture that main screamo guy with the dark black hair mm-hmm. eating a bowl of jello. I guarantee that's probably actually happened. <laughs> Would you consider show. that to be the most metal eating scene of that show? Yes. All right. Well, then there you go. Answer. You answered your own question. You didn't answer, though. I said lamb. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sticking with jello. Okay. I mean, good and choice. Against I, I think the point. <laughs> I think the point is animal products. You can't. I mean, do you know any metal vegans? No. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the vegans out there, but you're not that hardcore. Well, what are we talking about today, my dear friend, co-host Colleen, wife? You miss wife. My wife. <laughs> what are we talking about? Okay, this is an interesting interesting one you may think after hearing it that there's nothing spooky about it at all that it's got a cut and dry answer but you might be wrong after hearing more details you might be wrong we'll find out today we are talking about the mysterious death of netta fernario have you heard of this sounds like a fake name it's not. It is, in fact, well, actually, no, you're right. Her real name is Maria Fernando. Boom. <laughs> Boom. But she went by Netta. That's not a real name. Well, right. Okay. Netta Fornario was a 20th century mystic whose death could have been an accident, an occult murder, a conspiracy among the town she died in. Or a magic ritual gone wrong. Mm. So you're going to have to decide between those at the end of this. I feel like there's some overlap. Like it could have been an accident and a magic ritual Yes, right. I guess you're just going to have to tell me to what degree each of these are the answer. Got it. You're making it way too technical. Making my notes. So the thing about this story is, this happened. This is a true story. But the details vary from article to article to book to book. So... I read dozens of articles and a book about this. And basically, I'm piecing together the story from what all of them have in common. Okay. They're all essentially the same story, but like tiny details tend to differ. Yeah. I think that's the case with pretty much anything. Right. But in this specific case, like there was not much well documented because it takes place in such a tiny town in 1929 that it's word of mouth and then it turned into something bigger okay 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 let's start at the beginning netta was born in cairo 
1897 to an English woman named Nora Edith Ling and an Italian doctor named Giuseppe Nicola Raimundo Fornario. There's no way he's Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Nora actually died the year after Netta was born. So after living in Italy with her father for a little bit, Netta was shipped off to England to live with her mother's father, who was like a well-off tea merchant of the day. So she grew up in a pretty wealthy home, wealthy estate. And like many wealthy British people of the time, she became very interested in the occult. Yeah. There was a lot going on in the occult world and in this time yeah, period. What year Britain. was this? I'm sorry. Um, this was going to, like, we we're talking 1915, 1920, 1925. Sure. Yeah. So as she's growing up in this wealthy household, she gets sucked into the wealthy occult circles sure. of London. And at that time in England, there was a decent number of established occult societies that wealthy people participated in because they had the time and the money to spend on pursuing magical interests. Netta herself became a member of the Alpha et Omega offshoot of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Ooh. Now, the beliefs of the members of this society do play into this story, so let me quick give everyone the lowdown about this particular order or at least the the, the situation very, this, yeah. i i do recall i i have listened uh to some podcasts about this specific mm-hmm. group very detailed about what's going on so we're, i'm guessing your rundown is going to be very very brief yes very very brief it, it, that sort of thing's really complicated i'm mostly just going to talk about the beliefs right so this order was set up a lot like the Freemasons. So it had hierarchies, it had initiations, it had rituals. It based a lot of its rituals off of ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. And actually, this particular order, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, actually inspired basically most of 20th century modern occultism. And actually, Wicca, present-day Wicca, and witchcraft as, yep. Um, like pretty much, yeah, like you said, pretty much any occult offshoot. Sure. Witchcraft as we know it today, essentially, I don't want to say stems from the beliefs of this, but I feel like a lot of rituals and practices come from the Hermetic Order of the Golden right. Dawn. Yes. There were three kinds of sects within this order. The first was like the lowest group of people. They studied philosophy, astrology, tarot, general spiritual development. The second level was taught magic, scrying, astral travel, alchemy, practical magic. And the third level, I it was difficult for me to understand. The third level is the big boys. They are skilled in magic and spirit communication, and they're called the secret chiefs. Some people in the organization believe that they weren't human. They were supernatural beings. I'm, I am not a member of the society, so and I did a very brief study of it. I couldn't tell if these were real people that they considered to be supernatural beings. Like you could talk physically to a third level person or if that was like some something to strive to become. I, I'm not sure. I, if I remember correctly, and 
if anyone's listening to this and knows more, which I'm sure there I'm are sure people. Every, <laughs> most um, people I know I believe more. it's just like the highest uh, point you can get to. Right. So you can theoretically do it. And I believe there have been quite a few people, like notable people that have reached that level. Okay. This organization is strongly tied to the Freemasons and Masonic history. And it said that their teachings were written in a cipher and given to them by a prominent Freemason scholar. Mm-hmm. So I don't I feel like everything goes back to the Freemasons. Been around very, very, very long. long time. Yes. There were a lot of members of high society, specifically in the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, including Aleister Crowley, mm-hmm. who might sound familiar to you if you are knowledgeable about occult societies and practices in this right. time period. My point is, Netta was a believer in the occult and the paranormal. Sure. I mean, she was a member of this highly structured organization. She was studying spiritual powers. She believed herself to be able to perform magic. I believe she performed healing rituals and said she was skilled in psychic healing. But... This isn't an uncommon belief at the time. Like, I don't want you to think she was like a weird outcast from society. These practices were done by generally high society Britain. Yeah, I think like just occultism and practicing different forms of magic in this time period was like romanticized. A lot of people did it. Yes. And to me, I mean, okay, so we were raised Catholic. So we kind of grew up with this... America itself is also very different. Yes. Just the Christian background. But and- you grow up with this idea that it's like evil and you're dabbling in something bad. But really, like the beliefs aren't that much more strange than fundamental Christian beliefs. I mean, like, I see strange is relative. Yeah. I see people making fun of like crystals and stuff all the time in like mod- the modern era. But mm-hmm. it's, what, what, how is that different from like holy water in a church? It's like got magical properties, basically. Right. So I, I, my, our point is she wasn't some weirdo. Like in, if she was a devout Christian, but instead she's like a dedicated occultist. Mm-hmm. She was even thought to be a member of the Rosicrucian Order, mm. which is an even more secretive society that claims to have magical wisdom that has been passed down from ancient times. Yes, that also sounds very familiar to me, but I don't know much yes. about them. You can, there's podcasts about all of these that you can look at. The, the histories and the intertwining and the dibbling and the dabbling are all, <laughs> it's Way more intricate than I am interested in. I just want to to give you some background about who she was, why she believed what she believed, kind of person she was. And she was a high society member of an occult organization. Right. And that's the basic rundown. But if you want to alienate your family at Thanksgiving, definitely research more into the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and all of that. Yeah. And you know what? If you do, podcast at nerdsloft.com. Give me your cliff notes about it. Yeah, because, that'd be fun. Because I do not want to read <laughs> the pages and pages and pages and pages of books and documents about these orders. Sure. Okay. So Netta works her way studying through these magical societies that she's a part of. And when she was in her early 30s, 33, I believe, she read a story that described an island off of Scotland as being full of fairies and magical beings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this island was the Isle of Iona. Now, 
Netta herself had a great interest in fairies and belief in fairies or otherworldly beings, as we've talked about in our, I believe, the Green Children episode. It's not uncommon even today. Maybe a little uncommon in America. Yes. But in, in this area of the world and especially this specific area of Europe, I think it's a lot more common than most people realize. Right. So this island, the island of Iona, is a mile off the coast of Scotland. It's about a mile wide and I think around like three miles long. It's a small island. It has a population at the time of about 150 people, somewhere between 100 and 200 people. It's a small village. Okay. The island was a sacred place for the Celts. It has been used for millennia as a place for ceremonial worship. And when Christianity took over this island, it became a very important pilgrimage site. Because about 1,500 years before Netta Fornario's death, St. Columbo found a hill on Iona where he communicated with fairies. Mm -hmm. That's the story. There's stories of selkies, fairies, dragons, fairy rings. But, I mean, there are people who believe that even just being on the island can physically heal you. And that belief persists today. It's still a place of pilgrimage, and it, for some reason, has some kind of draw to it that has, for millennia, made people feel like it's a sacred place. Do you think it's really touristy, or do you think it's kind of like I, kind of a hidden gem type place to go to? You know, I have no idea. I get the vibe it's probably more of a hidden gem. I mean, I'm sure it's got a decent amount of tourism. Like, I'm, now, I'm guessing there's a gift shop and stuff, but I'm just wondering if like... Well, even at the time, the residents of Iona were used to tourists and pilgrims. Sure. So there's always been tourism there. Okay. I don't know that it's like a majorly trafficked tourist def destination, but if you are from there or around there, let us know. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it's like on the same level as like Stonehenge or something. I don't think it's that quite that far. Sure. But I'm not sure. So kings of Scotland are even buried there because apparently it is earth so sacred that it can purify all sin. You think it purifies the bones that are in the ground? <laughs> I don't know. But okay, so the phrase the call of the Isles was thrown around a lot. And I feel like I've heard that phrase before, like in books or movies. <laughs> it just sounds TV a lot shows. like call of the wild. Yeah, I know. Actually, that's probably <laughs> where I'm getting it from. But as I said, something about this island feels otherworldly. It feels sacred. It has for millennia. It's not specific to one group of people or time period. Something about this island just feels special. It transcends religion itself. Right. So Netta must have felt this quote-unquote call. Because suddenly and randomly, one night, she decided to just leave her London mansion and move to the tiny village on tiny island in scotland hmm. nobody knows why she decided to go i, I mean, she was called right i mean it, that's kind of what it it felt like her acquaintances were like shocked so she woke up she was like i'm moving there she didn't tell anyone where she was going or what she was gonna do she just packed up her stuff she got on a boat and she landed on iona hoping that there would be somewhere for her to stay like she hadn't made prior arrangements and on a island that small it's not like there's houses she can just like take up residence in or rent right there's not like extra space 
even the members of her societies didn't know why she left or where she was going. One of her acquaintances, Dion Fortune, believed that she was going to Iona to study fairies, or what they called Green Ray Elementals. You think Fortune's her real surname? I'm, I'm not sure, but she comes <laughs> back into this story, so don't forget about her. Okay, what was that term again? The Green... Green Ray Elementals. Interesting. I believe that Elementals was kind of like a, a catch-all term for fairies, or like yeah, that kind that of sounds, supernatural being. That sounds like it's probably right. Right. Another thing to note is that before she left, Dion and other acquaintances in the society she was in kind of stopped hanging out with her because she was interested in communicating with fairies and magic and practices that like other people in the group felt like couldn't be controlled. So they were like, wow, she's she's dabbling in some powerful magic. Or like maybe some more taboo type stuff. Yes, potentially. But I, again, the the details are limited. It's clear that she did not intend to just be in Iona for a couple days because she packed a lot of stuff. Even enough furniture to furnish a cottage of her own. She dragged all of it from London onto a boat to this tiny island. To, in hopes that she could find somewhere to stay. And she didn't, like, own that mansion or whatever in London, right? She was just staying on the estate of her family? It was her grandfather's and mansion. Did he, and did he pass and, like, she owned it? Um, I'm just wondering, I, like, if she sold everything to, like, get a boat. No, to... no, 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 no. She didn't sell everything. She, I mean, the housekeeper was still taking care of the house. Oh, okay. I believe, I mean, I don't know. I, again, I don't know. Those sorts of I mean, estates I, aren't common around here, but I believe they were less of a house of, that you owned and more of like a community of servants and family. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like kind of a hereditary thing. Like it just yeah. keeps passing down servants to servants and lords to ladies. Right. So I do know at some point her grandfather passed and left her some amount of money, but I believe that. You know, she didn't sell the house. She had a decent amount of money on she, her. She just left. She just left. Okay. She told the housekeeper, like, hey, I'm leaving by. And that's about it. Hmm. Party at her house. <laughs> <laughs> she ended up, luckily, being taken in by a local woman named Mrs. McRae. This lady and her family were used to having borders because, again, like I said, pilgrims and tourists would come during the season. So she was like, all right, I'll take you in. Why not? Yeah. I don't know if she was paying rent. I imagine she was because she was there she for a while. She had the money. <laughs> yes, and she had the money. Once she settled into this house, she promptly started acting like a total weirdo and freaking people out, which was not her norm back in London. Like I said, she was a member of high society. Her occult beliefs don't really indicate her being a weirdo. But as soon as she gets to this island... She changes. She's mm. not the same. When she first got there, she locked herself in her room, just writing pages and pages and pages and pages. The McRae family had no idea what it was. They just assumed it was poetry, that she was just some eccentric author who wanted to come to this small island for. Or, or maybe it was like a Jack Torrance type thing. And that's she what just it, kept writing the same line over and over and that's over. That's the vibe that I get. It's that she was, like, writing to write, 
nobody knows what she was writing. They never saw the papers. They couldn't find them. Maybe she was just drawing like really big naked ladies or something. <laughs> Honestly, like, she could have been. Nobody knows. The thing is, this didn't weird out the McRae family. Like, uh, it's weird, but they were used to weird people, like religious people, poets, authors, people coming for inspiration. Sure, the nature of the silence. Yeah, so they were like, this is weird, but I mean, she's not, she's just writing. Like, we don't have anything to complain about. But over time, she would get weirder and she would lock herself in her room and go into meditative trances for days on end they'd be able to hear her muttering like incoherent things and you know when she went into a trance she was like not wakeable like a buddhist monk type thing where they do it for a really lengthy amount of time right and when she would come out of these trances she would say she was in the spirit world she was receiving communications she was in the astral realm she was healing people psychically. And this behavior worried the McRae's because that sort of thing is a little bit more than just like an eccentricity, especially if you're if you're going to go into a trance for days on end. Different if you're going to meditate for an afternoon, but she would lock herself in her room without food, speaking, drinking for days. Hmm. So they were like, does, we don't like, does she have a mental illness of some kind? Like we should check in on her, right? They brought up to her. They were like, do we need to call you a doctor? Like this isn't normal being in trances like this. And she was like perfectly lucid and responded under no circumstances. Should you ever call me a doctor ever? Even if I go into a trance for more than a week. This stuff happens all the time. I've got it under control. I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. I'm a psychic healer. Just let me do my thing. She sounds like a spoiled brat. Yes. I mean, it's weird that you would show up at the house of a stranger, lock yourself in a room and like be all weird and then be like, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the McCrae's though, I assume she's paying rent. She's not hurting anyone. She's perfectly healthy. She's an adult. She can make her own choices. They were like, oh, right. You know, do, do what you want. So when she wasn't in meditative trances, she would hike around the island all day, wandering aimlessly. She was super interested in the ancient Christian sites and the energy around them. And she would leave two oil lamps burning in her room all day and all night, at all times, whether she was there or not. She refused to close the curtains in her room because she said she could see people in the clouds. It's very dangerous. Yes, it is, isn't it? That's what I thought, too. Just, like, and if your room is locked, we're talking, like, 1929, it's a fire hazard. It's a fire hazard even now. Yeah, of course. I don't know. She eventually she became known by everybody on the island because there's like a hundred people there as a totally eccentric weirdo that everybody was uncomfortable with. Likes to set things on fire and potentially they caught her performing rituals that they didn't understand. Again, I mean, keep in mind, most people in this small town are Christians being on a Christian pilgrimage site. So I think they were not quite as open to the occult as people back in London were, or at least people in her circle. Sure. One weird thing that did keep happening, and the housekeeper of the McRae's reported that 
She brought a ton of silver jewelry. She always dressed kind of like bohemian. Mm-hmm. Um, she dressed in like the arts and crafts style, which was kind of like a, I don't know. I, I, I guess you could kind of consider it hipster. It's a, it's a social and art movement that's like more complicated than I want to explain. I get but the I get the vibe that it looks like a lot like a, just a hippie, but with like jewelry. Well, she would always wear like handmade clothes because that was kind of the point of the arts and crafts movement was to be able to create like good, heavy duty, sustainable items. So like it would be handmade and then she would wear a black cloak, which was weird to me. But whatever. So she always wore this silver jewelry. She had she brought a lot of it with her. She's rich. Why not? Um, but it would always turn black. The silver? Yeah. Like she would wear it. It would turn black. She'd have to clean it. It would turn black again. Not just like tarnished. We're talking black. Hmm. And when they asked her about it, she was just like, oh, it always does that. It's always done that. In spite of all of this. Netta and Mrs. McRae actually got along really well. Mrs. McRae loved hearing about Netta's magical escapades. And Mrs. McRae would tell Netta, like, the history of the island and, you know, folklore. So all of this went on for months. She arrived in Iona in the summer. And a few months later in the fall, she sent a weird message to her housekeeper back in London. And it just said, don't expect me home anytime soon. I have, quote, a terrible case of healing. (laughs) Unsure what that means. Nobody knew what it meant. It was a weird message. But the housekeeper was like, all right, she's not coming home anytime soon. She's planning on staying there. It's kind of like an oxymoron. Yes, it is. Terrible case of healing. She sent this message. And it was very clear that she was not planning on coming back anytime soon. But on the 17th of November, 1929, Mrs. McRae went to Netta's room and found her frantically packing up all of her stuff. Just shoving it into bags, trying to get it all together as fast as possible. She said she needs to leave the island right now because she's under assault. Psychic assault. Psychic vampires? And that, kind of, yes. And yeah. that's literally all that she said. That's psychic assault. Nobody knows what that means. She just, she has to leave now. And the thing is, Mrs. McCray says she doesn't look like herself. She's like thin and pale. Her hair was usually like really neat and in braids, but this, it was like sweaty and like wild. And she was wearing silver jewelry that had turned black again. And she wouldn't give any other explanations. She was clearly incredibly distraught. She was panicking. But it's a Sunday. And Mrs. McRae was like, there's no ferry back to the mainland today. It's Sunday. You're going to have to wait until tomorrow. No post on Sundays. No post on Sundays. (laughs) However, Netta was like, fuck that. Yes, there will be a ferry today. And she dragged all of her stuff, including all of the furniture she brought and the jewelry and everything. She dragged it all to the ferry stop. (laughs) Port dock. Port got dock, yes. And waited there for For, hours. Yeah, for a day, I'm guessing. Well, she just waited for hours and hours. And eventually she was like, oh, I guess it's not coming today. So she dragged all of her stuff back the family noticed when she returned that she was acting completely different than when she had left she left in like a hysterical panic and she came back totally calm strolled right in and was like changed my mind 
I'll stay. So she puts all of her stuff away. She goes back into her room for a bit. And everyone goes to bed. Sounds like she just had a bad trip on some psychedelic type drug or something. And then. Yeah, yes. It's weird. So the next day, the family went to go check on her and they noticed that she was not in her room. Everything was completely as it should be. You know, she had put all of her stuff away. The furniture was all back where it was supposed to be. Everything was folded. Her bed looked like it had never been slept in. So they were like, I guess she must have like went on one of her weird hikes and just didn't come back. But nothing looks weird except the fireplace was filled with a bunch of charred papers and letters that none of them could read. But otherwise, everything looked the same. They were like, it wasn't like she was planning on leaving again or running away. She just wasn't in her room. But she never came back. They waited for her for a bit. She never came back. So a search was launched and they couldn't find her anywhere on an island one mile wide and three miles long that I assume the locals probably know every inch of at this point. Hmm. How do you get lost in a tiny island in a town less than 200 people? I mean, and it's not like a dense forested island we're talking like rocks and cliffs and waves and the ocean but not not like dense woods that would be difficult to explore maybe she was taken wow they searched the entire island and then they were like it's dark we gotta call it a day like we've been over everything multiple times it's a mile it takes maybe 10 minutes to walk a mile they had 200 people or so looking It wasn't until two days later when two of the islanders stumbled on her body in a place that presumably they had looked before. Hmm. And it wasn't hidden. It wasn't like buried anywhere. It was just laying. Not only was it laying, it was on Fairy Hill, St. Columbo's mystical hill that presumably on top of the hill next to it. Hmm. They had said she was laying kind of draped next to what they called a fairy mound. Belief at the time, and I, I mean probably even now, is that these mounds are homes for fairies. All throughout this area, there's ancient remnants of like Celtic structures that have just been buried over time. Sure. And, yeah. you know, they leave these mounds or hills. I'm just thinking like the Teletubbies hills where <laughs> no. it's like a house in ground. Either Teletubbies way. are fairies. Don't you know that? Right. Right. <laughs> she was laid out next to one of them. Now, the way she was laid is different in literally every article I read. In one article, she ha- had her arms and legs spread out like a pentagram. Another one, she was laid out like a crucifix. Another one, she's just like, you know, laying like a body does. So she was laying. Sure. At some, in some way. She wasn't standing. Correct. <laughs> Underneath her body was carved into the turf a giant cross. Either she did it and then laid down on top of it and died. Or somebody else did it. There was a knife in her hand, but there was also a knife found like an ornamental knife found 
a little bit farther away. Did it specify how big the cross was? Like it was a cross that she could like pretend to be crucified to or like just completely underneath her whole body? I believe it was like a large body sized cross. But again, I didn't see any pictures. That's just kind of what I took from my readings. Okay. Point is, she was laying on a cross that was carved into the turf, and it was purposely put there. It wasn't sure. like some natural formation. Like right. the, there was a knife that you, was used to carve it, and they found the knife. She was completely naked. The only thing she had on was her black cloak, which was covered in like occult symbols. It wasn't normally. It was just a plain black cloak normally. But so, then when they found her, it was... I read two different versions. One of them was that this black cloak always had occult symbols, and the other few were that she had put these occult symbols onto them right then, before dying. Sure, like between the time she was found and after she disappeared. Right. Again, foggy. Yeah. Her whole body was covered in scratches, like cat scratches. Kind of. So, like, not deep, just like. Right. It was suggested that, like, maybe she ran through, like, a, a wooded area yeah. or bramble bush or whatever. Her feet were completely torn up and she was barefoot. So, they assumed she was sprinting without any regard for what was in front of her. Like, her mm. feet were just bloody messes. Okay. Doctors looking over her body. I mean, you can see the injuries, but there's no fatal wound. I mean, you're not going to die of foot scratch or, or bramble scratch i and mean okay fine Ta- you could possibly but just blood they, loss, but yes they were not under the impression that that was it they broke the promise they made to her they said to never call a doctor for her <laughs> that's a good point she'd be pissed yeah the coroner and I don't know that it was a coroner because we're talking about a tiny island. I imagine it was just like the local doctor. And he probably does all of it. Yes. Yeah. The, the, or the she, medic. I suppose. But it I'm was guessing it was probably a man yes. at this time. So his best guess was that she died of heart failure or exposure to the weather. Sure. I mean, he didn't mark down that it appeared she had like evidence of frostbite or like hypothermia or anything. What time of year was this? November 17th. So this would be November 19th. So it probably did get cold, especially at night. Sure. And yes, and we're on an island, obviously surrounded by ocean. I mean, Scotland and Ireland aren't known for being warm. Right. But that was the assumption. She must have, you know, she wasn't wearing clothes. Of course, she's going to die of exposure to the elements if she's out for two days. Most likely, yeah. The thing but she's is, a healer. She can heal herself. Psychic healer at that. The thing is, nobody found her clothes. There weren't clothes around. And mm. she was certainly wearing clothes last night. Or, you know, the night she was back at the house. Right. They didn't see clothes, like, laying across the bed like she had taken them off and then left the house all naked. Well, maybe she, she did, but she put them away. Possibly. That makes sense. I mean, that would be a sensible explanation yeah but she probably wouldn't do that that though. would be weird because you would be well, walking through weird, your though. own house all naked but she was weird. she was odd yes clearly this isn't <laughs> a normal situation but nobody found clothes or anything no there was no like evidence around her other than the cross underneath her the knives next to her the cloak and the scratches huh. so there's some other strange things that were reported after her death 
some of the locals stated that they saw a weird, unknown man dressed in a black jacket roaming around the island on that day. Nobody really got a good look at him. They just saw a man in jacket. Other people say that on the night Netta disappeared, so November 17th, they saw blue orbs in the sky around the area where Netta's body was eventually found. Mm-hmm. You talked about orbs. Does I blue have. mean anything? I mean, blue, at least in the context of ghosts, I think blue is just a very common color. It's the average common ghost. But I don't think this is a ghost. So the police also found a packet of what they called very weird and mysterious letters in her belongings. They took them for study, and we have never heard of them again. We have no information about these letters. I mean, for all we know, they might not have even been real. But that Mm. comes up in quite a few of the articles that I read. We don't know anything about these letters. We just know that they were there and the police took them for study. And we never heard anything past that. And that's it. That's all of the evidence. That's all of the circumstances surrounding her death. The thing is, as I was doing all this research, I was like, this seems like, yes, it's bizarre, but it seems pretty cut and dry. Like, lady has a mental break in London, up and leaves, suffers from, like, notable signs of mental illness, delusions, voices, hallucinations, and then one night... In the middle of a delusion, she gets all naked and dies of exposure. I mean, that's a that is a rational explanation. Yeah, that's definitely a, a very possible one. Right. I don't agree with it though. Why not? Because even though that is possible, I think it's odd that there was mention of a mysterious man that was seen. Mm-hmm. I think it's more likely that she was abducted. By either a stranger mm-hmm. or a rival magical practitioner. You don't think she said she was under psychic attack. Mm-hmm. And I have more information about that. But you don't think maybe the people in the town were like, fuck this lady. They saw her, killed her, set it up to look like some sort of weird ritual she would have done and then pretended they didn't know where her body was. I mean, that's possible, too, I guess. But it couldn't have been the whole town because who who? Who would they need to convince then, right? So it's probably a small group of people that tried to convince the rest of the town, if that were the case. Yeah. So why would they need to make a fake ritualistic crime scene if they didn't need to convince anyone? I imagine that police from the mainland came to help with this as well. Mm -hmm. That's my guess. Again, that was not written down. So don't take that as fact. Is is there more to your to to the actual story? Because I have another theory. I don't know if you I don't want to say something that you were planning on saying. OK, well, let me let me just give you this is a theory slash more to the story. Oh, OK, so when word of her death got back to London, the members of her occult group were convinced that she did not fall victim to mental illness or murder, physical murder. She was under a psychic attack and had been killed from far away. This was actually a phenomenon that she had been studying before leaving for Iona. In fact, one of the founders of Alpha at Omega, the society she was in, had been known to psychically attack people. So 
Dion Future that I spoke of before. Mm-hmm. She was just an acquaintance of Netta's. Dion was attacked in the astral plane by one of the founders of Alpha at Omega. Her name was Moina. She was she attacked Dion because Moina believed Dion was trying to take over the group and defame the society and split it up. So Moina was like, hey, fuck you. I'm going to attack you in the astral realm. How this happened was Dion entered the astral plane Mm -hmm. as she did. When she got there, Moina was standing right in front of her in occult robes. She told Dion, hey, um, you're not allowed here anymore. You're not allowed in the astral realms anymore. Get out. This is my zone. And Dion was like, um, no. <laughs> you don't own the astral realm. So in response, Moina pushes her. And she, Dion feels herself sucked completely back into her physical body. She is in a completely different location in the room from when she entered her trance to enter the astral realm. The entire room she's in is just completely trashed. So she's like looking around, what the fuck happened? And she gets pissed. So she goes back into the astral plane and they fight and she she wins somehow. That's all I got. They fight, she wins. Wait, who wins? Dion. Oh. But when she gets back to her body after this psychic fight, she notices that her entire body is covered with these bramble-like, cat-like scratches. Mm. So after this incident, Dion talks to other members in this circle, and she finds out this is she's not the only person that Moina has done this to. She has been apparently launching attacks against anyone she disliked. The other people who experienced these attacks also got the scratches all over their bodies. So when Dion hears about Netta's death, she's like, um, Moina, Abby. So she believes that although Moina died a year before Netta died, Moina killed her through a psychic attack from beyond the grave. Mm. Here's my situation. I could not find any information about why Moina would dislike Netta. Sure. Or anything. Maybe it's because Netta was an acquaintance of Dion's. I don't know. But these are things that Netta experienced. She told the McRae's that she was under psychic attack. I mean, she seemed mentally unstable. But if if you take Dion's story into account and the stories of the other members of her group, the actions that she was taking may not have been out of the ordinary for her. Maybe there was a specific ritual she was trying to perform to protect herself from psychic attack. I mean, if she is psychically disturbed, isn't everyone else in the group as well? I mean... I guess. Maybe, maybe not. I shouldn't say psychically disturbed, but if you're going to say that the way she was acting was a because of mental illness, that might be the case, but people back home in her groups who knew her were like that her behavior made sense for what we believe happened to her. Sure. You know, it just didn't seem to them like a mental break. She had specifically said she was under psychic attack. Yes, she said she was under psychic attack, but she didn't go further into that. So that could have happened. Or here's another explanation. Maybe she entered the astral realm so often in order to like heal herself, commune with spirits, 
heal other people, that she ended up losing touch with her physical body and started to exhibit signs of mental illness from that mental detachment. And maybe it was the astral plane that brought this about in the first place. Mm -hmm. So the scratches on her body really can't be explained. It looked like cat scratches. It looked like she ran through a bunch of thorns. Thing is, there was no evidence that she had run through thorns. There was no, like, vegetation or material on or around her body. And Iona does not have large predators other than humans. I mean, they don't even have foxes. So nothing really would have scavenged her body other than insects. Maybe birds. Sure. But why were her feet so torn up? Like... Right, that would have had to be from her own Right, doing. what was she running from? If she was, in fact, running from something. And if you want to completely take the paranormal out of this, maybe she was running from a person. Right, yeah, that's what I was saying, because you said people saw a person there. Yeah, maybe she was running from somebody in the group that wanted her dead. Maybe she was running from a group of villagers. Or just a, yeah, a random guy from the mainland that just saw a person by themselves. Yeah. What's curious is why she wasn't found for two days on an island so small with, like, no hiding spots. Well, that's why I was saying, like, if it, if it was a villager that did this, like, they could have easily abducted her, taken them into her home, mm-hmm. and then put done, her- done whatever they, you know, wanted to do, probably gross stuff, and then maybe they killed her. Well, there wasn't any signs of that kind of gross stuff. Okay, she was just sure. killed. She but just she, died. Yeah, maybe this person killed her and then took part in the search, and then two days later put her, put out her there. body out there. Right. Suspish. Mm. All of the um, villagers were, you know, investigated, and nobody was found to be a suspect. But I don't know who investigated them, if it was the village police. <laughs> I mean, like, it's such a small town. I, I have a an inquiry, because mm-hmm. I'm not very well-versed in astral travel. I know, like, the idea is that it's another plane of existence that you can travel to, and it's, like, everything and anything that you can basically manifest or whatever. Mm -hmm. Can you go there if you're dead? I don't know. I mean, nobody knows what happens after you die. Well, right, but, like, in the belief circles of these people, like, they obviously believe that her spirit or soul or whatever was able to still use the astral realm Mm -hmm. to psychically attack people. Yeah. I didn't know that was a possibility. I thought once you're dead, you're moving on to the afterlife, whatever that is. I don't, I I mean, I know nothing about the astral realm. I know it exists. I kind of got like a, you know, it's like a, it's like a place where magicians go to do their work. It kind of feels like, it's like, yeah, it just, It's just another plane of existence, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, if we're talking about the existence of an astral realm, why not somebody being dead attacking you there? Maybe when you die, you go to the astral realm. Maybe the astral realm is heaven. Uh, I think there's other realms and belief. Sure. I don't know. I have no answer to that. But I have another theory that is completely untouched by what you've said. Mm -hmm. Where was she found? I'm asking you. On Fairy Hill. Mm. So on a, fairies on a fairy mountain. Mm-hmm. Fairies. Yes, that was another. I had, well, I was going to say that next. Oh, okay. So good, good call. I beat you to it. Yes. So she was there studying green ray elementals, mm-hmm. aka fairies. She died from exposure to the elements. 
on oh, that's Cherry just, Hill. That's just a play on words. Like died from well, the elements I think, versus I think died the from the idea elementals. idea is they're called elementals because they have the power to control the elements or manipulate oh, them. Okay, that's a stretch, I think. But I, I'm just saying that like connection is just a play on words. Point is, she died in a mysterious way on Fairy Hill there to study fairies. Of course it was fairies. We, we've talked about that in that uh, episode we did on uh, those two green kids. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it called when you go to the fairy world, fairy universe, fairy realm? It's like a fairy window or something or fairy door. Like a fairy circle? Fairy circle, right. So maybe she was able to locate one or make one travel there and all of these injuries were from there. So like she got, she ran through Bramble or whatever there, or maybe it was the fairies themselves that you know a thousand of them just scratching at her well yeah and we have talked about in previous episodes fairies aren't necessarily like good you know a lot of them are there to like seal your babies and eat them and stuff (laughs) so like they could have some of them are good i think it's just kind of an ambivalence towards humans right so she may have offended them in some way or they were trying to impregnate her because i think that's another fairy thing right yeah i mean there was no evidence of that so i'm well it's fairies. That's <laughs> true. We don't know. <laughs> That's true. So, I mean, fairies. Other option. Aliens. Duh. No. She was taken. What do you think those blue lights in the sky were? Fairies. UFO. Mm-hmm. And who was the mysterious coat man? Man in coat. A fairy. Could have been. Yeah. Fairies come in all shapes and sizes. Sure. I have no... I. I have no answer to this. There is no answer to this mystery. I mean, honestly, if you want a cut and dry answer, mental break. But I can tell you what it's not, though. What? Ghosts. Unless it was the ghost of that pissed off witch in the astral realm. Why is that? Because you just made that connection earlier in the episode with orbs. Like, it's not a ghost orb. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I just when you say orbs, I immediately think ghosts. But they said like blue lights, blue orbs. Like they didn't. Yeah, that it, could be anything. Yeah. It could be swamp gas. Totally. Probably was swamp gas. But I don't know. It's a it's a weird death. There's secret magical societies. There's a spiritual island. There's an astral plane. Something fucky happened. If your grandpa lived on this island and knows the actual story, let us know. Yeah, That's I would what I love know. if you have, you know what, if you know anything about I- the Isle of Iona, let me know. I would love to go there. It sounds cool. Minus yeah. the death part. And I, I want to just quick plug this, too, since we're on the subject. We had a listener reach out to us a day or two ago, and unfortunately, we haven't been able to respond quite yet. But he or she, I suppose, they didn't identify themselves uh, because they want to be kept anonymous. But they are a magic practitioner and they would like to kind of do a little interview not over the vocalness of they're the not podcast. interested in being on the podcast but they were interested in providing us with more information yes. about being a magic so practitioner i think hopefully time permitting on our next episode Instead of a listener story, we're going to have their answers to our questions for them regarding their practice. Yeah, and it's they sounded really interesting. And I think I'm going to have a lot of questions that were related to this episode, not the specific events, but the themes surrounding this episode. Astral so realm. If, 
That was our dog. That was the dog. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if this topic on this episode interested you, please check back in next week because hopefully we will have some more information regarding witchcraft, witchery, tomfoolery. Black magic, all sorts of stuff. Anyway, you got a story for us this yeah, week? Yeah, I do have a story for us. And before I have this story read out, if you would like to send us something, uh, you can contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. They are all at NerdslothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at NerdSloth.com. Why are we doing this pre-story? Well, because I was just doing the plug about what's coming. All right, that's fair. So send us whatever you want. Send stories, personal stories, fi- things you find. Fan Whatever. art. Any art. I have a story, though. Okay. This just happened, I think it was yesterday. New York man bursts into flames after being tased. <gasps> okay, that's not spontaneous human combustion, but like, it's pretty cool. You'll see why this happened. Okay. It's not spontaneous. Well, I mean, there was a taser involved, so I'm going to well, go with... A 29-year-old upstate New York man who covered himself in hand sanitizer Ah. burst into flames after police used a taser on him, according to a local report. Jason Jones, and I'm guessing that's his real name, but that sounds like a fake name. (laughs) It does. Uh, Jason Jones had entered the village of Catskill Police Department last week and got into a confrontation with officers. Uh, He was known to have previous encounters with them, but appeared intoxicated during this time, and officers had to use a taser to subdue him. And the quote is from the chief of police, I think they were afraid he was going to hurt himself, and that's what started it. There are still details about what was happening and we're trying to develop. So it's unclear when Jones poured the hand sanitizer over himself and whether officers witnessed him do it or not. So he had to have still been like soaking wet because that alcohol evaporates very fast. Yes. So Jones is currently in an intensive care unit at Upstate University Hospital in Sewer Cruz. And people familiar with the matter told the paper that his condition is grave. So I'm not obviously it's a very tragic event, but it was so interesting because it's like I've never heard that hand sanitizer could be used as an accelerant i mean it could definitely conduct something because it was you know a taser involved but it caused him to just burst into flames yeah i cannot think of anything worse than third degree burns definitely one of the worst ways to go i think right so that was a little bit more morbid i apologize but it was so interesting i had to bring it to everyone's attention my i peaked my my interest was peaked when you said i think they didn't want him to hurt himself so they decided to hurt him instead well i (laughs) i mean tasers usually are only you know harmful if you have a heart condition or if you're covered in an accelerant but how well okay uh, apparently you know, they thought he was neither of those because they've dealt with him before. Well, they wouldn't have known if he had a heart condition, but that's an argument for a different kind of podcast. True. Anyways, interesting. Just use the normal amount of hand sanitizer, guys, especially if you're going to interact with the cops in a negative way. And I also found another story. I'm not going to read this whole thing. I just want to quick read the 
like headline of it because I thought it was kind of interesting. Colorado man sets mom's home ablaze trying to clear cobwebs with a blowtorch. <laughs> you would so do that. You would so, if you had access to a blowtorch and you saw a spider, you cannot tell me you would not run for that immediately. What what that guy did, and I, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but what he did was he went into the, what's it called in a house when you don't have a basement? The crawl space? Yes, he went into the crawl space and then he was just trying to clear out the cobwebs. Oh, my God. And then it just set the home on fire, and he's facing charges now. Did his mom's press charges? No. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know the details of he, it, he but he's should, facing charges for, like... There should be like, a consequence for being an idiot. Yeah, he, arson and also, like, vast amount of damage. Well, it was clearly not intentional, unless that was just a really stupid cover story for intentionally lighting his mom's house on fire. Don't know. Side note, there is no creepier place that I have been than a crawl space. Have you ever had a crawl space? In no, I've always had a basement, so I don't know. We always had, so I grew up in a few houses just because we moved around. Like, not a lot. We just, my parents liked to fix up houses and then move to new ones. I don't know. They liked a good project. Sure. But one of our houses, the, the one I graduated from high school in, had a crawl space, and it was... The, the energy around it was just wrong. It's where the bones are, probably. It's where my mom kept all of our old, like, American Girl dolls. And so you'd walk in there and, like, they'd have, like, faded eyes because we haven't played with them in, like, 16 years. <laughs> like, it's just... It's where everything goes to die. Uh, yes, but the thing is, there's never... I'm not the sort of person who, like, picks up on energy in a room. I'm really obtuse. But, like, crawl spaces just have evil energy to them I'm, it doesn't matter where you are they're scary they're pretty dank man and i'm small <laughs> if i like maybe i'm just too claustrophobic i don't know now i'm just rambling but thanks for listening to us yeah we'll be at you next week with something new but again we will talk a little bit about magic hopefully if y'all are interested and we will see you later yeah we love you bye love you bye Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.